Hello there. We're back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call. It's uh, Monday, the 8th of January, 2024, and I have Sharo Shanana back. Uh, it's great to have you here. Happy New Year. And um, we're going to talk about macro. Yes. and Happy and New Year, Peter, and a very happy New Year to all our listeners as well. Yeah, it's good to have you back. And um, we're going to talk about the U.S. economy. We had the non-farm on, on Friday, and then we're going to talk about the CPI that is coming up this week, um, just for backdrop. And then, of course, we're going to talk about FX and then a little bit about uh, Chinese data and the uh, the Taiwanese election coming up here in, uh, in the weekend on Saturday. So a lot to chew on there. But if we start with sort of the background, um, I think the uh, the Friday session, Shara, was quite interesting with the uh, the back and forth. First on the non-farm payrolls, initial interpretation was a strong number. Then a reinterpretation, maybe there was actually some weakness in it. And then we got the weaker than expected ISM services uh, figures. And then the whole market first moved the one way, equities down, and then moved the other way around. Whereas, you know, bad macro data or slowing of macro data is seen as something positive in equities, at least because... It uh, it bolsters those rate cost expect rate cut expectations for this year and slows down the inflation rate. But take us through your thoughts on the non-farm and then what to look out for in the inflation report this week. Yeah, I mean, Peter, I think from a very macro perspective, um, I think the markets have started this year uh, in a mood to kind of just reassess uh, whether we can really get those uh, five or six rate cuts that are priced in for the Fed for this year. Uh, so I think the sensitivity of the market to any hawkish surprises in data is relatively high uh, compared to a dovish surprise where I think the bar to add to those rate cut expectation pricing right now is relatively quite high. So, you know, data has to be really, really bad to support that case. So I think the risk reward really is tilted towards hawkish interpretations of data. And that's exactly what happened with NFP as well, because you look at the headline, 216k jobs added, so such a huge beat on the expectation of 175k. So, uh, and club that together with unemployment rate, with higher than expected wage growth as well. So, the markets were obviously uh, a bit quick to react to that number. Uh, but like you said, you know, I mean, underlying dynamics were not as strong. I think much of this growth in uh, job numbers has been tilted to a few sectors, mostly, you know, coming from government sectors or healthcare and hospitality and leisure. And these are not the sectors that particularly drive the U.S. economy. If you look at the private sector side of things, uh, it does seem like, you know, things are slowing down in an orderly fashion. Yes, but the, the labor market is slowing down from there. Uh, and let's not forget, I mean, the whole of last year, actually, NFP data was revised downwards. Uh, so there's a serious issue with potentially the collection of that data as well. So I would read that strong headline number with a pinch of uh, salt, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, shifting to what to expect this week, uh, certainly CPI data is going to be um, likely to be a key mover. Um, and what happens there um, is going to be, I think, very interesting for the markets. I think overall, there is a sense uh, that disinflation continues. It continues more prominently 
in the goods side of things, um, which has obviously been the key story of 2023 as well. Uh, but the wait for ready rental disinflation has been testing the patients, I would say. It is taking much longer than expected. So we need to see, I think, where that goes. I think that will be one of the key um, you know, underlying metrics that I'd be focused on. And then now again, obviously, the oil prices or the gasoline prices as in the U.S., uh, they could also kind of disrupt that disinflation trend that has been in place for most of 2023. So I do think there's likely going to be some choppiness in the trend of inflation from here. Um, and I think uh, that, again, leaves us you know, back to the point that if we do see any upside surprises, I think markets could be a lot more sensitive to that. Uh, than if we see an inline or a weaker than expected print. Yeah, for me, for me this year, I mean, it's, I think it's all going to be about. We we know the goods inflation is coming down, and 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 China's doing its bit to to keep prices in the goods uh, sector low, and you know trade is flowing again, not as many disruptions in this global supply chain. So for me, it you know this year, reaction function around inflation. Will all come down to what is the stickiness in the core, and especially related to wages and in the services sector. I think that's going to be uh, a key thing to monitor and something that will be an evolving theme this year. So, um, I'm uh, and one data point is never enough, as you, as you yeah. also know, Shara. We need many data points, but um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to see how wages and and how sticky inflation is going to be this year. Um, but um, let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, topic because, you know. We ended we ended 2023 on you know very strong repricing for uh, multiple rate cuts. I think we had, we went as far almost as seven rate cuts, so then to six and a little bit below that. I think I give or take where we are trading right now. And the yeah. dollar and the dollar the dollar index spot the DXY was really in a in a in a you know declining pretty rapidly from I would say the early parts of November all the way to around New Year and uh, we've seen a complete reversal of that so also with the reversal in equities we've seen a reversal in uh, in the dollar so the big question for you Shara of course is where do we go from here in the dollar I can see right now as we're speaking we are trending high we're almost trading at the highs for the session today so um, uh, upward pressure on the dollar it seems. Yeah, I mean, I, I do see that tactical uh, scope for a rebound in the dollar because as we discussed, right, I mean, there is um, that markets um, in a mood to reassess whether we can really get that uh, pace of rate cuts that is priced in or not. Uh, so overall, I do think we're still in a bearish trend. You know, I think, like I said, data is still weakening and it still supports the case for a March rate cut. And even the markets are still pricing in a March rate cut with about a 60% probability. Um, but uh, as of now, I mean, there is, like I said, there is this huge sensitivity to any upside surprises in data, which which could uh, cause a revaluation of whether we get a March rate cut or um, you know later in the year. So I think that does give uh, room for a tactical rebound in the dollar. Uh, that's one thing. And um, I think uh, the other key thing really is that, and I've said this before also, there are two basic conditions for an entrenched bearish trend in the US dollar. Uh, one is for the Fed to start cutting rates, and uh, two is for the growth outside the US to look much healthier as compared. Now, both of these conditions, particularly the second one, but precisely both of them actually have not been met yet. Uh, so this bearish 
dollar trend is likely to remain choppy until we see more conviction in these two things. Um, and what that brings me to is that, you know, even if you want to sell the dollar, you know that the Fed is going to cut rates. There's really no viable alternatives at this point to do that. Uh, so that kind of, again, brings a layer of support in the path of the dollar. Uh, I think that's that's really key. And then this week, like I said, you know, uh, I think it's um, uh, there's going to be some amount of support for dollar also coming from the Japanese yen because, uh, you know, we ended last year with expectations around um, the BOJ ending its uh, negative interest policy as soon as, um, you know, some some people were saying even in January, but a lot of uh, expectations to uh, for that to happen in Q one itself. Now, with this massive earthquake uh, that we've seen in Japan uh, last week, uh, those expectations of a BOJ pivot have been pushed forward. Uh, so, and then to add to that, we've also been seeing treasury yields surging higher. I mean, so I think all that is bringing in some gains um, to in USD yen, uh, which again, I think is supportive of the dollar behavior. And uh, lastly, I would also highlight, you know, I think Euro, that's also, I think for me, a big focus coming Coming back from a long, long holiday, um, you know, I'm seeing that euro is still trading near 110. I think uh, that's that's a bit of a surprise to me, uh, especially given the fact that the you know there were there were some signs of a resurgence in inflation uh, data that came out from the eurozone last week. But core inflation, if you look at it on a three-month analyzed basis, we're already below two percent in the eurozone. Headline is on track to get back below two percent as well. So uh, certainly, I think uh, the room for a hawkish repricing in ECB uh, pricing is much less compared to that of the Fed. So, I mean, I have a tough time seeing how euro dollar can really sustain uh, near that 110 mark. Um, so I think uh, that's certainly something that I'm going to be focusing on this week. So we do get eurozone retail sales, we get labor market data as well. Um, I guess that data could continue to emphasize that U.S. exceptionalism story um, and, you know, just highlight the divergence between the two economies. I think um, that that will be quite interesting as well. Yeah, one of the things that are being discussed or could could have a positive impact on the on the euro. But um, this is all speculation, of course. But that is uh, it is the fact that, you know, European assets are very cheap relative to U.S. assets and U.S. assets um, have been outperforming pretty significantly last year as well. And should there be a reversal that could be a rotation in the flows from a lot of international portfolio managers to, you know, to offset offset any potential U.S. weakness, which we have seen in the beginning of the year with cheaper U.K. and, and European assets. But again, this is speculation. It's just something to have. Yeah. Uh, sort of in the uh, back of your mind um, that could change things. But I, I agree. I mean, sentiment is still weak in Europe and the macro backdrop, it's still terrible. And as you and I talked about in in, in some of the episodes before we went on uh, on the into the holiday season back in around uh, you know late December, there's so many things that are tied to China. And China is still yeah. weak and it, it has it has this spillow effect into to Europe because Europe and China are each other's biggest trading partners. Um so, uh, let's, so let's basically go to China because we've started this week with the Hang Seng futures down more than 2%. Sentiment is just extremely bad in China and data just does not seem to to improve much. So what to what to what to think about China and also maybe touch a little bit on the uh, the you know the geopolitical risk around the uh, the Taiwan election which is coming up uh, this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I think China 
certainly, you know, disappointment continues there. Um, we do get a lot of macro data out of China as well this week. And that, again, would probably be um, on the wrong side, I would say. You know, we could continue to see deflation uh, for a third consecutive month and there's just broadly, you know, just just an absence of any demand pull dynamics in that economy. Now, the big question really and the disappointment that comes through is really because, um, you know, repeatedly I've been seeing these headlines that uh, China's stimulus efforts continue to fall short of expectations. Now, this is something we've been saying again since last year as well, uh, that, uh, you know, China's focus um, on, uh, you know, controlling its leverage um, checking all the misallocation that has happened in the past few decades, um, and China's focus on uh, stabilizing its currency. You know, of course, the, there is enough room for yuan to depreciate, given that uh, the the policy differentials could lead to significant capital outflows. Uh, but just the fact that um, Beijing continues to support its currency, they don't want to be seen uh, to be easing policy massively. Uh, you know, I think that could go against uh, their uh, focus here. Uh, so PVOC will likely continue to be restrained um, in its stimulus efforts and they would remain targeted. This is something we, again, discussed um, earlier as well. And we continue to think um, that would be the case uh, in the, uh, this year as well. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think um, going from here, really, uh, at least into this week, uh, the big focus is on geopolitics and uh, can we see a ramp up in tensions in trade sanctions and military activity um, in the in the region, especially as we approach those uh, Taiwanese elections um, on Saturday. Uh, so I think um, really right now, um, what the opinion polls are suggesting is that the incumbent party uh, uh, vice president, uh, he he's leading the polls. Um, and if he was to win, then uh, again, that's a risk that China may come back with increased uh, steps on you know military drills, on trade sanctions, even including on the U.S., uh, because the the this incumbent party is seen to be opposing the reunification um, that China really wants. Uh, so I think that's a huge risk uh, for Asian assets, for Taiwanese dollar or Taiwanese stocks going into uh, this week. I think uh, there's going to be some amount of tension uh, around this as opinion polls continue to suggest the victory of um, the incumbent leader. Uh, but of course, I mean, you know, um, I think uh, the other key risk to monitor really is that elections lately have been such wild cards. You know, we've seen incumbents being thrown out in surprise outcomes in many countries, in Argentina or in the Dutch elections as well. Uh, so, I mean, if that was to happen, um, you know, and the opposition party, which is seen um, as more pro-China, um, that and there's there's going to be an expectation that they could bring smoother relations with China as well. Uh, so I think that on the geopolitical front, things may ease out. But, uh, uh, you know, again, having seen what happened in Hong Kong earlier with the youth kind of coming out against that reunification could we see something on that front in Taiwan as well? Uh, so there's a lot of lot of risks around these elections, particularly uh, pertaining to uh, the geopolitical ramifications of the of the outcome. Yeah, that's great points. And one thing is for sure, this is a year of elections, so we will definitely be talking much more about elections on this podcast. We have 
the UK election now announced after the summer, uh, the summer holiday period. We have US elections in November this year. We have a key election coming up in India. We have elections coming up in many different places. I think it was, uh, I read somewhere, almost approximately was it forty percent of global GDP or was something like that was uh, was um, was going into election and you know almost forty percent as well of the the fifty percent almost I think of the global population. So it's um that's um it's an uh, interesting um so sorry it was forty percent of GDP corrected so but it's going to be an interesting year show we'll be talking more about that for sure um but i think this is uh this is a wrap uh, uh on the podcast and um yeah just uh you know for this week watch out for the inflation reports from uh from the us on thursday we also have an important one in uh, in norway coming up we have some other macro data as well in the us the nfib tomorrow on the small business optimism index the jobless claims of course what will the dollar do? Is it going to continue its positive momentum this year? Watch out for that. Bank of, uh, sorry, um, the Japanese yen, of course, as well, also in focus, and the euro. And then finally, we have that key election coming up in, in Taiwan on Saturday, and we have a lot of Chinese data to chew on this week. So, um, and with that weak sentiment start in in Chinese equities, I think there's a lot at stake this week for for China's uh, financial markets there. So. Um, Stay tuned and, uh, well, uh, stay safe out there. 